Good evening, and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Taiwana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory sciences by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant, Send Out Cards Referral Partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio Station. Before we bring on my special guest, I want to share a few announcements. This is the last week of our May fundraising initiative held in conjunction with the Alzheimer's Association's Longest Day Campaign for those affected by Alzheimer's disease or dementia. We are so close, you all. We are only $75 away from meeting our goal. I'm doing this in remembrance of my grandmother, Juanita Hardy, who passed just last year, June 2018. Donations can be made at bit.ly forward slash TE Longest Day. Also want to let you know about the Trendy Elite Empowerment Tribe. It will be opening soon, so you can get on the wait list for that program at www.trendyelitellc.com. I would also like to thank my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio and TV Network, LLP. Today's special guest is my friend, Mrs. Alandis Powell. Alandis Powell recently joined Fifth Third Bank in October 2018 as the Vice President of Business Controls, where she is responsible for control supporting the various lines of business and operations. Alandis formerly served as Senior Vice President and Director at City Cards, a division of Citigroup. She was responsible for the strategic development and oversight of a portfolio within Cards Retail Services. Mrs. Powell joined City in 1990 and has over 30 years of experience in the financial services arena. She also served as Director of Collections Program Management Group, where she directed initiatives supporting 13 sites and eight lines of business impacting over 3.5 million customers. She has held a number of positions at City, including Unit Manager, Trainer, and Senior Project Manager. She is an active member of the community, serving in a number of capacities over the years to include the Urban League of Greater Southwestern Ohio Board of Directors, past chair of the Urban League of Greater Cincinnati Advisory Board, YWCA Board of Directors, Brighton Center Board of Directors, Assistant Director of a Youth Sports Organization, Elder Board of Inspirational Baptist Church, Motivational Speaker for Adults and High School Students, and prior co-chair of the Academic Scholarship Committee at Triumphant Church. She is a graduate of Leadership Northern Kentucky Urban Leadership Program and a member alumna of Leadership Cincinnati Class 41. Alandis currently serves as the board chair of the Greater Southwestern Ohio Urban League and was the recipient of the YWCA Career Woman of Achievement in 2013 and Cincinnati Inquirer Greater Cincinnati Foundation Woman of the Year in 2018. A native of Dayton, Ohio, Mrs. Powell attended Fort Valley State University, an HBCU located in Fort Valley, Georgia. Alandis and her husband, Gordon, are the proud parents of three children, 35-year-old Kendra, 30-year-old son, Demonte, and 19-year-old son, Julian. Hello, hello, Miss Alandis. How are you doing this evening? Hi, Coach T, congratulations. I just saw you were swag her. Wednesday's Wonder Woman, so congrats for that. I'm excited about that for you. You do so much. Thank you. And thank, thank you for you. having me. 
I am so excited to have you on here tonight. You are doing some really amazing things in the greater Cincinnati community. Uh, You are one of those women to watch. So I'm excited for my listener audience to get to hear a little bit more about your journey and, and everything that you're doing. So I'm excited to have you. Thank you. So, Ms. Landis, can you tell the, the listeners a little bit about your leadership journey and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I'm older, so it was a long journey. But um, I, I think, you know, I would say my leadership piece of my journey started out when I was pretty young. I was um, one of those kids always getting in trouble. Um, I always was very, very competitive, hated, hated being told what to do and always considered my punishment before I actually did something. So I always say I was already considering risk versus reward a long time ago. And my dad would always say, she, my daughter is the ringleader of all the mess. So always have kind of like been in the forefront and always trying to just, um, just win. And that translated over time into just some of having some of the fundamental traits, I think, that uh, make me a leader today. Um, of course, I've had to uh, abandon a lot of things, had to decide, like, who is re- who am I really competing against and understand um, when you need to lead versus when you follow and that, you know, even the Bible says you have to do what your boss says. So all of that good stuff, learned that along the way. But I, but I would really say my journey started off very early, early on. Um, when I actually uh, received my first manager role, I – had a joint city. City had recently came to um, Florence, Kentucky, and they were getting ready to put a promotion up for a service quality specialist. I had been there about four months. I had decided I was going to get the first first promotion there and worked really hard and was able to get it. And then probably a year or so later, they posted a manager job. And I had worked really hard and um, went through the interviews, and I didn't get the job. And I remember calling my dad really upset, like, it's just not fair. They told me that I didn't get it because on Friday, dress down day, I wore hiker boots and a baseball cap turned backwards. And um, <laughs> and I was like, that's truly the reason? And it just didn't sit well with me. And my dad said that um, a leader isn't just about getting a job. It is about actually taking feedback and using it. And we are how we react to the bad news is just as important as how we react to the good news. So that was something that really was big and stuck with me. So I went back to work that day and I just smiled. And I put away the boots. I put away the baseball cap. I kept them for years just as a reminder of how small things can stop you. But I put them away, kept working really hard, smiled, never acted like it bothered me. And probably three months later, the person they picked didn't work out. So when they posted the job, I went straight in there and was like, I am so excited. When do I start? And uh, she was like, well, you have to go through the interview process. I said, I understand, but I know it's mine because you only told me I needed to get rid of the boots and the hat. Haven't worn them since. So at any rate, a couple months later, I got the job. So that kind of started me on uh, the journey of actually becoming a manager. Um, I think leadership can be, you know, whatever you do. It doesn't actually have to be a position. But that actually put me, the first time I started actually managing other people was that job. So that's kind of how it started off, and it it just grew from there, just, I think, hard work and and actually, um, you know, still standing firm on my beliefs, but working harder than the person sitting next to me is what I did. Awesome, awesome. And your dad gave you some really good uh, feedback. I, I really like that. The, a leader is, is someone who, when they have the good news versus the bad news, you've got to be able to take the good with the bad. And, you know, as working with young people, as I know that you do as well, you know, sometimes they have in their mind that leaders have a title or they have to have a title or they look a certain way. And so I think that's a, a good uh, information that he let you know that listen, you know, you need to be able to take the good <laughs> with the bad, and That's you also right. need to be able to take feedback and use it uh, and apply it. So that's awesome that's right. information. Thank you. So, what strengths and experience do you feel are important to thrive as a leader in corporate America and create your seat at the table, even when? 
there's no one else that looks like you at the table because you're in that that senior leader, executive, C-suite, and, you know, here in Cincinnati, uh, the amount of executive leaders that are African American is very limited. So, you know, what strengths do you feel uh, are were important for you to not only get to the table but remain at the table? Yeah, I think earlier I mentioned that you had to know who your competition was, and I learned early on that my peers were actually my advocates. They were my, you know, they became, you know, friends and and people that always say that. When you get a promotion, if your peers aren't clapping louder than everyone else, you might not have deserved it. But when your peers actually say, hey, we're excited, you're going to the next level, then you know you're doing something right. So I actually tried, I actually had to work through figuring out, now, who really is my, who am I competing against, right? And it really was mm-hmm. just me and, and doing the best I could. So that was one thing. I think um, that there's a lot of different core competencies we need as leaders, but if I if I tied one up really important, we used to call it people skills. I'll I'll break it down just a little further than just saying people skills. But I think the emotional and social and engaging competencies are so important. And I know that can be pretty broad, but that is really not just you being engaging, but creating an environment where other people are engaging with you was really important and really a skill that people sometimes overlook because they look at doing the work more than the the interaction and making sure you're driving the right behaviors and, and actually helping develop and coach people. So that's one thing. I think the other piece is influence and being able to be influenced. So a lot of times people just focus on driving what they think when sometimes you have to take two steps back, listen to be a part you know, be open to changing yourself, and at the same time, that allows you to influence the conversation, and, and I think people gravitate towards that. So, very, you know, being an influencer but actually communicating in an active and caring manner. Um, the other piece, I think it goes with everything we do no matter what role, but it is integrity, and it is really say what you mean and mean what you say. And um, when people aren't looking, that's when true character steps in. So just make sure you're doing the right thing, whether people are looking or not. Um, And then courage. Uh, I think the courage part will go back to saying when you're the only one at the table. Um, Having the ability to say no, stop, I don't agree. Um, Standing up when other people are afraid to stand up, but doing it in a way where you find the right voice. Very early on in my career, I was pretty militant. Most people know that I am very much um, about equality and equity and doing the right thing by people regardless of color, of of sexual orientation, gender, all of it. I just believe let's do people right. You know, let's treat people the way we would want our kids to be treated, our parents. Um, So that's very, very important to me. But finding that voice where people could respect what I was saying at the table was important. And it took me a minute to find it. And when I did, it, it had to sound in a way where I could change you to see things the way I was seeing it so I could influence that table. And then there was times where, and, and I'll ask you this question really quick, have you ever been in a situation where you said something and, and you keep talking around the table and then 10 minutes later, someone says the exact same thing, but everyone gravitates towards that person who said the same thing you did? Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely, that's happened. So I made a decision to start calling it out, and I called. I would call things out like that in a manner that said, um, hey, what am I missing that I just wasted 10, 15 minutes of our time, and we didn't really get to what I was saying until he said it? Did I say something wrong? Because I don't want to waste people's time, and I want to say it the right way, but apparently you guys didn't hear me. So how should I say it different? So kind of taking ownership, but giving it to you too. So those were moments when I had to let you know I'm sitting here. I'm just as important as the person next to me. And we're going to be respectful and hear what I say. So I just started calling people on the carpet when it didn't happen. Um, I couldn't do that until I had actually always done my homework, always knew what was going on, knew when not to speak because I didn't know the answer, so I didn't just need to talk to be talking, right? Mm-hmm. And actually measure the risk versus reward when you actually should say it. And and that's kind of what, what I would say is when you're sitting at that table and sometimes it's a lonely place to sit, 
And in most of my career, um, I have been the only person who looks like me. I had to find a way because I felt like I was at that table for not just me. Mm-hmm. I was at the table for everyone who looks like me to make sure that if I left, they were going to replace my voice, right? Because right. I was actually showing them the the need to have a voice like mine at the table. So that's that's kind of been my approach. Um, you know, some days it's, it works great. Some days I have to go revisit and say, this is a little different today. Let me do something a little different. But most times that's how I've approached things. <laughs> so do you – has it been a point in in your career? So maybe, you know, early in your career or mid-career or where you're at now that you really found that voice? At what stage did you did you find that voice to, to really let people know that I'm here at the table, I belong at the table, and I'm not afraid to give my feedback. That's why I'm here. Yeah, so I had a couple incidents that happened that just um, didn't feel comfortable to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, I was the most senior person over um, in Florence um, that looked like me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would always say, if I'm feeling like this, imagine what the agents are feeling like or someone else at the time. And, and I wasn't feeling good. And I'm like, somehow I'm not communicating in a way where people will stand in my shoes. And so I just had to start saying, this is what I hear when you say that. Or this is what this this is how I perceive that action. If we do that, this is how I look at it. So that means there's a lot of people like me who would look at it the same way. A, a, a quick example um, is, um, and this is a recent example, maybe a year or so ago, um, the opioid epidemic. Um, mm-hmm. Where I worked, the hospital was right next door, and there was times when people were, were let out and. Um, they have been deceased. They were actually thought they were letting them out at the hospital and they mm-hmm. would be in our parking lot. That had happened once or twice. At any rate, there was conversations at our uh, senior um, site table to say, should we address it? Should we have conversations about opioid with our entire center? And, and, and this center, it was like 3,000 something people in our Florence site. And I knew whatever we did there, I had to take to the other groups that I was responsible for in some other cities. And, you know, my first thing was we can, but you're first going to have to apologize to the people for not having the same dialogue when it was crack, right? Because that's what right. I hear when you say that. And, you know, we had to talk through that, and, and it allowed people to kind of see where I was coming from. But, you know, people had to first respect what I was bringing to the table when it came to my work ethic, when it came to how I treated people, when it came to how I, you know, the the job I did. They had to respect that first, right, because I'm there to do a job. And then second, it couldn't just be woe is me. The the worst thing a leader can do is play victim. And, And so never, you know, if you ask me for what people should never do in a leadership role is ever play victim even if you feel like it because going from victim to leader is is a pretty hard transition so i would never sound like the victim mode never put myself in a victim mode i would just figure out a way to work through things so um things like that uh the urban league really i I started participating a lot with the urban league when we found we could get some good talent from there and i'd help them create um some training and we weren't hiring the people, so I just had to simply say, hey, from now on, if you don't hire people from the Urban League, you have to come in my office and explain to me why. And, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of opened the door. And and, and I always uh, look at positive intent. So I'm not saying anyone is doing anything malicious. I don't know. That's very hard. People are in jail now because people got that wrong. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. say I know your intent, but I do want you to see your impact. And that's all I've already always tried to show people is, those decisions impact people that look like me, like this. So let's do something different. So those are kind of the things I went through that, and that's what made me just become, you know, you get one win when your voice is kind of strong, and that gives you a little mm-hmm. more power, and then you do it again, and then you might not win one, and you sit back and figure out why. You know, you, you get some great people around you that will give you honest feedback. That's important. So those are the things I did. And then I just – I know people throw this around a lot, but I really did become just me, just authentically me in everything. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome, awesome. That's very good information that you shared uh, of being able to be yourself and and sometimes it's difficult, but I had another leader on here uh, a few months back, Dr. Karen Bankston, and that was one of the things that she said as well is, is being able to show up and being your authentic self. I mean, really, why try to be somebody else? Uh, what they're already taken, so you might as well be yourself anyhow. That's right. That's right. So with success comes a lot of opportunities for growth. I know as, you know, things, and as I get a little bit more successful, there's something else I'm growing and learning and failing at something and starting all over and doing all of that. So it's very important for our next generation of leaders to not only hear about your successes and your accomplishments, but also your growing pains along the way. Can you share with the listeners a few of your leadership growth opportunities and the learning lessons that you gained from them? Uh, So I have had, I get, I probably have a mistake a day. So I make them. First of all, I think when you make mistakes, you just own them, mm-hmm. and you own the mistakes of the people you lead. So if, if my team makes a mistake, I made a mistake. Um, so I do own it once it happens. And sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a minute, but I can I, – early on, I am, I am a, um, I'm, a, I, I'm what I call – a lot of people, you know, try to say Christian. I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So that's who I am. And mm-hmm. I can't separate that when I go to work. Like, it's not like I'm forcing it because we understand the rules, right? But that's just who I am at the inner core. And I remember I had to hire an entire group. Um, it was early on in my career. I had to hire like 30 people. And I went in and started interviewing people. And a guy said he was going to pray for the job. So I, was, I gave him the job. Another lady was down on her luck. She really needed it. I gave her the job. This other guy was almost crying. He's been looking everywhere. I just gave all these people a job. They lasted maybe a month. So I don't know if you know how much it costs to, for attrition for people to come in and out. But I hired this whole group of people that could not do the job. They were just nice people who needed a job. And I just gave them a job. And um, that, it, it, was, it was big. I mean, I had to uh, let a lot of them go, and a lot of them just didn't make it. Uh, it, it was all kinds of things. And I had to realize that um, when I'm at work, they trust me to do the right thing for the company I work for. So I had mm-hmm. to do the right thing, right? And so right. I picked great people. So I would sit back and decide, you know, what do I need? And I always tell leaders today, whatever your gap is, be honest and fill it with someone you go out there and hire. So I made, a, I made some hiring decisions and we all make them, but I mean, I had made like out of 30 people, I had probably lost 20 of them. So it was, it was, it was awful, but I learned to be <laughs> nice to everyone. You know, I learned the hard right. way. So that was probably one thing. But, you know, the first thing I did was the reason I can tell you what happened is I sat to reflect. And then I was telling HR, you know what, I heard everyone that was nice and sweet and what, you know. And right. um, so I just had to do better. But, but I owned it. I, it, was, it was my error. And so I took care of that. And, you know, from then on, I figured out how to uh, hire people based on what they could bring to the table down the line, not just for today. And mm-hmm. I figured that one out, but that was probably one of my, one large mistake. Um, another, I think, big mistake is that um, I had someone who worked with me who was really militant, right? And they had not found their voice. And um, I allowed them to actually not, I, I didn't participate, but to use my name. And, and what I hadn't realized is I had probably at that time um, just been promoted to what we considered an operations manager. So that's, that's where you probably have about 150, 200 people, right? So I had just gotten that promotion, and I hadn't figured out who gets to come with me, right, on this mm-hmm. journey. Because you get to a point where what you say is gospel, whether it's true or not. And people right. get to use that and your, your side conversations. And even if you didn't say, yes, you agree because you were there and you didn't push back, it, you became a part of it at that level. And um, I had my mentor, who's my friend today, tell me, he's like, everyone can't go on your journey. Everyone doesn't get to go to your next spot with you. They can be your friend, but you might have to put them in a different place. 
And so I had to learn that, you know, I won't say the hard way because, you know, God is faithful and I kept moving, but um, I did, I, that was another big lesson is everyone does not get to go on your professional journey with you. Just because y'all mm-hmm. hang on Friday, even if they work there, it doesn't mean, and some people you can't even hang out with after you get to a certain level. You have to figure out who has the maturity to come with you. Absolutely. So I think that was another big one. That's good. I mean, you're right. Everybody can't go on your professional journey. Heck, when I think about, you know, the people that I hang around, I, I'm not even going, you know, on vacation with everybody that I know. We <laughs> might be cool to go to dinner or maybe That's to the right. movies, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, going out on a professional scene or, or going out, you know, and, and networking, or, you know, yeah. vacationing. I mean, I got people, we strictly dinner. And I got other people. <laughs> I can't take you nowhere. Dinner. I cannot <laughs> take you nowhere. So you're right. I mean, that is that is valuable information that everybody can't go. You can't. Yes, I would like to, to bring everybody because they're nice and, and are good people. But the reality is, as you start to climb into different circles, and I'm not always saying going up, as you start to mm-hmm. maneuver in different circles, everybody can't go. It's the is a reality. That's right. So that's awesome information. Yeah, I've made some uh, poor poor hiring choices along <laughs> the way too. <laughs> it's like, listen, I needed somebody, and you came along, and listen, it, I thought it was a match, but that onboarding and offboarding somebody is is very expensive and time consuming. Oh my, time consuming, yes, <laughs> for sure. So. What part, if any, has having mentors, coaches, or informal sponsors played on the progression of your career? So there is one guy, and um, he became my manager. I was a manager, and he was my operations manager. I think I told you how. So he And he had moved here from Atlanta. And he hadn't been my manager long, and he gives me this performance of review, and he tells me that I had um, something that I did really well, he marked me low on, and something that I knew I wasn't, you know, I didn't care for and didn't do well, he marked me high on. So I told him, you know, I'm not signing it, right, because uh, this does not truly reflect who I am, and I'm not sure you know who I am, but I'm not signing it. So we went back and forth. I didn't sign it. Um, months later, he, he continued to be my boss at the time. Months later, we're having a conversation. He said, you know what? I actually agree with you. That isn't your, That is your strength. That truly is your strength. And I was hooked on him from then on. And um, a white man, uh, completely mm-hmm. different. And I, and I say that because we are completely different. Um, Completely different. We could argue about religion, about about every anything, right? That that we probably shouldn't have been talking about, but we got that's where where our relationship went. But he was truly a mentor because he actually was not afraid to tell me what I needed to do better, to help me grow as a leader, to let me. He helped me find my voice too. Um, he he really did. And and what's funny is that when I got ready to leave, um city when I left he actually is in a different city and they did this little um, goodbye and he actually had the performance appraisal fake one saying could I please sign it now so he could close out the record like and it had been like that had probably been like 24 years ago but um but he actually I use him to this day I can call him up and um and I have I know that there's things in him I have changed. I have helped change him, and he has helped change me. He was always more senior to me. Um, when he always uh, gave me the tools to get to the next level. He never just gave me something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say he was that guy, and, and, and I'm like, I prayed. I prayed for the right person. And so I'll, I'll put it on God's, you know, will and help. In, in finding someone that he gave me favor, but then there was so much work I had to do to keep that favor. I made him mad some days, and it it used to shock him because he had told me off so bad one day. It all had to do with what I was talking about earlier, how everyone doesn't get to go on your journey, and he was letting me have it. I mean, letting me have it. 
about 30 minutes, and we had to get up and go to another meeting, and it was more of a rah-rah meeting where we were getting people together on um, an event we were throwing, and I went in there and smiled and talked to him like he hadn't told me off, and he had to go back and say, how did you do that? And that all came from that conversation with my dad, where no matter what, I don't take it personal. I take it as something I, I value when people care enough about you to tell you the truth. They, they are strong enough to take your emotions if you don't like the truth. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel like they have to dot all their eyes to tell you. Because some things are people's perception, but that's still your feedback, even if you can't mm-hmm get someone to say, this is exactly what you did. And, and that's, that's what he did. And there were so many things in him that I put in me as a leader. And there were so many um, other leaders I have that weren't good leaders that I learned what not to do. So I've learned what not to do with some of the leaders. And I call them even my mentors. They didn't know it, but they showed me what not to do as a leader. And that was just as important as people showing me what to do as a leader. That's good. That's good. So, was there any? So, was there any of your your mentors or, or coaches or uh, sponsors uh, that were more valuable than the next? Like some people say, mentors are more important. Some people say, well, I really needed to have a, a sponsor who was really talking for me when I wasn't in the room. Was there any of those that was more important, or you feel like they're all the same? No, I think it's all about timing and it's all about mm-hmm. what you require. So if you are trying to find a way to be extremely effective in your current job and you don't know it, your mentor mm-hmm. might look like your peer, right? Your mentor mm-hmm. might be two people that's working for you, that's actually giving you a safe place to make mistakes and learn and grow in the job. Um, there's, pe- there's times you need mentor that, that are sitting at the right table to make a decision about you because you're ready to go to the next place, right? Or maybe it's across because not every good job is up. Sometimes it's, you know, across. Mm-hmm. And so there's, t- there's times when you just need a great wingman. Um, I never knew the value of a wingman going to an event, and I never realized that at, it, it sounds funny that I'm kind of shy when it comes out to just, you know, a whole lot of people I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And my aunt. I went somewhere to uh, in Texas to um, – I'm trying to think of the lady who ran for office in Georgia. Uh, big politician. Can't think of her name right now. But, but I went to um, one of her functions, and it was so many people there and so many movers and shakers. And the people were coming up to me saying, oh, my God, I heard you won this. I heard you do this. I heard you the chairman of the board. I'm like, and my aunt was out there just being my wingman. And uh, people don't know the value of even a wingman. So I think a wingman that's singing your praises in, in places you might not know or, or when, you, when you're not around. A mentor that has the ability to sit and influence the table that are making decisions about you and your career. Important. Someone who is, is there to come tell you, here's a mistake that it looks like you're making, and no one's going to be strong enough to tell you because not every leader can give feedback. Not every leader can be honest and tell you what you need to do differently because a lot of people, it's very uncomfortable and people Mm -hmm. shy away from that. So I just think it's based on the circumstance and the situation of which is more important. And it's about the person and the value they bring. You know, I've had people that I was their mentor and honestly, they end up mentoring me through some things. Mm-hmm. We both know our friend Tashana, right? Mm-hmm. Tashana started off my mentor, my mentee. And I was like, I've never had a mentee this close. You know, we ended up really good <laughs> friends, but she's actually helped me through some things, mm-hmm. um, through some decisions I had to make. Because I made a big decision when I decided to leave my job of 30 years. That was huge for me. And I, I didn't take it lightly. And it took me a year and a half to make that decision. So mm-hmm. um, I had to have people I could trust. And, and that's another thing. If you're going to have a mentor, if you're going to have people that's in your corner, you need to trust them. And if you don't trust them, know that you can't trust them. And you still might need to use them for something, but you need to know where your boundaries are because that's really important. So it's hard for me to say. I, I know I didn't answer your question. It's just hard for me to say. 
which one is important because I think it's situation-based. No, I think that's all good information because sometimes people, people don't know. And when you don't know what you don't know, then you're not even thinking about, okay, you know, should I have a mentor or should I have a coach or pay for coaching or, you know, do I need an informal sponsor to help move me to the next level? People, I mean, sometimes people just don't know that in most successful people, they have a combination of all three. And depending on what strategic move that they're they're getting ready to do, then, you know, one of them may be more valuable than the next. So when you look at your at the people who had the influence on your life, your mentors and sponsors and, and coaches, would you find that you had more men or more women that kind of fit into those roles for you? Yeah, so um, most of my mentors, professional mentors, have all been white men. Um, so, you know, we have to remember that most tables I'm around is just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's just the way the way it's worked out. You know, it wasn't. Um, I I do love the uh, I I do love the fact that I changed them and they changed me, and we allowed to you know look at things differently. But most of them have been white men. I've had um, probably like when I think about real mentors, I probably had one um, white lady very early in my career. Um, and great. I mean, she she was great, and she really helped me. I decided I wanted to get into project management, and she gave me the tools to get there. You know, and she didn't she didn't stay around long. She actually moved, but she was there, kind of helping and guiding me. But yeah, most most of them have actually been um, white men. I mean, and, and if you really look, I mean, this isn't a secret. If you really look at um, how things are in um, corporate corporate America, you know, most uh, people at the senior levels are white men, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are close to the top, the people that you're looking at that's going to really be able to help you, um, 99% of the time they didn't look like me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of – Oh, that's that's great. It just ended up like that. Yes, it just ended up like that. That's great. I've been to a lot of uh, sessions around, you know, the mentors and a lot of the executive women, uh, whether they're African-American or not, they, they tend to say that a lot of those influential mentors have been Caucasian men. So I think it's just uh, interesting and good for our listeners uh, to know, you know, especially as they start to, to rise and climb, uh, you know, of what some of our, our leaders are. Uh, are going through and, and some of the people who have left footprints on their path. Alandis, I often get often I often get asked the question, where do I find leadership experience or how do I build my leadership toolbox? What advice would you give to an emergent leader or even one who's looking to reinvent themselves on ways to find leadership opportunities? Yeah, so I, I have a little different take on leadership. So I think the, the opportunity to sharpen your skills or develop as a leader is in everything you do every day. It is mm-hmm. that, that potential exists in all of your relationships and interactions. Because to me, a true leader, you don't need to be an expert in your field or in the work to, to be a great leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be an expert to help people develop and motivate and coach and get them to the next level. We're leaders in our marriages. We're leaders with our kids. You know, we, we turn into leaders with our parents. So there there's all of that. And I, I've told people when um, they're looking to change roles or looking to get into management, I'm like, use those experiences because sometimes it's why I start off with the fact my leader, my leadership ability started as a child. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just was in me as a child, the things that I did, it looked different, right? I looked like just a bad child, but it looked different, but it, it was all there. So those are things that you have to look at and find with yourself. And then, then you can take them and you can translate those into conversations and interviews, right? And how mm-hmm. you were able to lead friends, not to do the wrong thing, um, just all kinds of things. So I think we try to make it really formal, mm-hmm. and, and it's not. It's not as formal as, as you think it as you think it should be. It's really everything we do. 
Um, I do think that, uh, you know, we work to be proficient in our jobs, right? But honestly, I know people who are great at what they do, and they couldn't, they, they're not great leaders, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean they're not good parents because when I say leading at home, it's a little different. You know, leading versus managing, all different, right? Mm-hmm. Leadership is helping people go and do it on their own and think on their own. I'm leading them down the path. Managing is I'm telling you what to do and to get right. down the path. And I'm putting things to make sure you've done it, right? In a leadership model, I don't have to go back and check on you. Right. Yeah, so I, I think that um, I think that when you have that leadership quality in you, you're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Your Absolutely. friends are talking about you anyway, talking about they call you bossy, but it's the leadership thing. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. And that was one of the reasons uh, why I started this whole radio show anyway, from working with young people. Sometimes they don't relate to the word leadership. And, and I agree with you. And everything you do every day, there's leadership. You don't have to have a formal role or formal title or anything like that because most of the time your true leaders don't necessarily have a title. Your true influencers don't have to have a title. As you just said, when you went to uh, the political event that you went to, auntie was down there telling everybody who her niece was. My niece is doing this. My niece is doing that. And auntie may or may not have had a title at all, but because, you know, she said, hey, I'm a leader and I'm going to let these people know who my niece is. She was an influencer. So I absolutely agree with you on that, that in everything you can find a leadership opportunity, uh, leadership skills. I, I know for me, and I'm an urban leaguer just like you are, but before, long before I had a title, a leadership title, I had the Urban League and I was a volunteer. And it was because of all of the volunteering that I did with the league, it prepared me for my first supervisory role. When I, once I got in there after volunteering, I'm like, this is nothing. <laughs> right. So you were you were right. So listening audience out there, you can find leadership roles anywhere, leadership skills anywhere. It starts with you and believing that you are a leader and, and carrying that out in everything that you do and say. So, Ms. Alandis, congratulations to you. I hear that you have become a best-selling author this past April. So whoop, whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Your, I, I know that is a big deal. That is it, a big deal. No, and you know I I appreciate everything you're out there doing, and uh, you know, it, again, it takes you know a village. It, we all work together, and just you know, you pushing me into some places. So I appreciate you for some of that too. I um I'm excited about it. So the uh the book and and. Um, for those folks who don't know, I know you know it was a collaboration of, you know, hundreds of women all around um, the United States and um, got together and wrote a day-by-day page, 365 days of things on faith and finances and, and on things that we can do just to motivate and, and um, energize each other. And so it's a book of some great information. Um, I wrote four, 12 days, I think, worth. What was exciting for me is that I was waiting on it because I actually started a um, scholarship fund in my dad's name. Um, my dad passed away about three, four years ago of Alzheimer's, and um, he actually changed his entire family's life because he came from a family of roofers that wasn't educated, and he um, got a basketball scholarship to a HBCU and waited for his brother before he would go. And his brother ended up um, with this PhD. They all, we all went to the same Fort Valley. We all went. Mm-hmm. And I started this scholarship. And, and so whatever book I sell, it goes straight to the scholarship. And the Urban League is helping manage the 501C for the scholarship. But it will be for athletes that are in their second year and above with at least a C average. So I'm not asking for a whole lot. Um, just to be a sophomore and up and um, playing some kind of sport 
and it'll be um, unrestricted funds that they'll have because a lot of times they give these guys and girls scholarships, and that's mm-hmm. it. And they're still trying to make it, and we all know it's expensive, and you can't work a part-time job and um, play a sport sometimes, right? So it really becomes rough and hard on the family. So that's what I'm starting. So the book really meant a lot to me with that. And then I knew that it was actually paving the way for my next book. And I think you and I have talked about that, but I'm working on my next book that'll be mine. And um, I'm excited about that. So this is just really was my first step, getting some information down on paper and getting this sold. So it's exciting. I've been signing them. That was, that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm autographing things. Isn't that something? <laughs> that <laughs> my husband's so, been doing most of the selling, though. But, I'm but that's okay. That, listen, listen, that is okay. Sell on, Mr. Gordon. That is, that is perfectly fine. Right. So your book is called It Takes Money, Honey, Guaranteed Strategies to Wealth Creation, Proven Tips for Financial Freedom and Developing Faith. So how can they get that from you so that they can make sure that they are uh, getting the book and it's going towards the scholarships uh, uh, for your legacy? So I have two ways. You can get it on eBay under my eBay page, and you can also mm-hmm. get it by emailing me. And the email goes to the impact of Troy Jr. at gmail.com, or I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can just send me a note. I get them mailed out like ASAP, and then um, we just you can mail. We I do checks. If you mail checks, then actually I send it out once the check comes in, or you can I use Cash App and PayPal, all the electronic. Um, ways, but you just email me with your address and I'll get it to you. Okay. So listen, audience, if you do not have this phenomenal daily devotional, make sure you go and check it out. Make sure you get it. The book is quite thick and there is something for every day. So there are devotions for every day to help you move your life forward. So make sure you go out and support uh, Mrs. Alandis and her scholarships. Uh, so that our babies can and can get to school. So that's an awesome thing that you're doing. So congratulations to you uh, on your book. And I can't wait for the part two uh, of your <laughs> of your authorship. I'm sure that that is coming, and I'm so excited for you. Me too. Thank you. Thank you for that. Not a problem. So as our time is coming to a close, and as I tell all of my guests, you don't think this, you know, hour, you would think it would take so long, but the time, I mean, when you have great guests and great uh, information, it's like I'm a sponge over here just learning as much as I can. So what tidbits of wisdom can you leave our listeners with uh, that they can use in their personal and professional lives? Um, I would say first pray and treat people the way you want your children and your loved ones treated. Um, Find time to just do you. Get a great core group of friends that you can trust with, with your life. That's really important because you need to have somewhere to vent in a safe way. Tell people no, just do it with a little love. Study, study harder than the person next to you. Learn their job. Um, Always think big picture first, and the small stuff will, will work out. Um, and be open to change and fall in love with feedback. Fall in love with it because when people see you love it, they'll give it to you, and it makes you better. And then just a couple more things. Give grace to people. I think we all deserve a second chance, and I think when you find you give grace to people, especially in the workplace, they work harder for you. And never, ever let anyone, I don't care if they're the boss, the CEO, someone make you do something that makes you question yourself or your integrity or make you feel like you've compromised. Just don't do it. And then plan, plan, plan. Remember all your mistakes, but always concentrate just on the present. That's it. I think that's enough, don't you? Amazing. I like it. I like it. Listen, I'm I'm taking all these tidbits that I get from every guest. Maybe I use it as a, co- a collection of something. I'll That's give you right. all credit. I'll give you all credit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Landis, how can our listeners stay connected with you and continue to follow you on your leadership journey? If you can give us those email addresses one more time and uh, those social 
channels one more time would be awesome. So my Facebook is under Alandis Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L. Both my Twitter and Instagram is at Alandis P, so it's A-L-A-N-D-E-S-P. And then the email address to order the book is the T-H-E impact of Choi Jr. at gmail.com. And any of those avenues, if you just shoot me a note and say you want a book, I'll get it to you. If you just have a question, um, I might not have had a lot of great black women mentors, but I pride myself on being a great black woman mentor to people who need it. So if you need anything, just reach out. And she definitely means that. She uh, means what she, what she says, and she's not just saying it. So you have been awesome, uh, awesome leader in this community, and it's been awesome to watch you continue to bloom. Oh, you too, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Oh, my, my pleasure, my pleasure. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give me the opportunity to interview you today. It has definitely been an honor and a pleasure to have you as my guest. So many blessings and continued success to you on your journey, Ms. Alandis. Take care. Thanks again. You too. So thank you, listening audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with our special guest, Alandis Powell, where she shared, study harder than the person next to you. Get you a circle that you can trust. Give grace to people. They will definitely appreciate that, and they will work harder for you. Never let someone tell you to do something that you are not comfortable with or compromise your integrity. Plan, 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 and pray while you're planning. And treat people the way that you want to be treated. Say what you mean and mean what you say. A leader is someone who is able to accept feedback, love it, and apply it. Your peers can be your advocate. Your ability to influence and be influenced uh, could make a difference on your path. Having courage and integrity. Don't play the victim. Own up to your mistakes, and remember that everybody can't go on your professional journey with you. So if you're interested in being a guest on this show, starting your own radio show, or low-cost advertising highlighting your business or events, please email us at dibroadcasting, that's D-I-B-R-O-A-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G, at Trendy Elite, L-L-C, all one word, dot com. Please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. And until then, my friends, have a good evening. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 